Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner Since 96. And as always, joining me here this evening is Adam Keyes. Adam, are you ready? I'm ready, Farhan. Fire away. Will do. So, first question. Do we have a striker problem or a finishing problem? Finishing problem. Is it a blessing in disguise to be out of the cup so early? No. And are we just out of form or out of ideas? We're out, we're out of form, 100%. <clears throat> okay, you're all probably listening to this thinking, Farhan, why do you sound so chipper? I'll tell you why. It's because, my furry little friends, I think I'm getting used to losing games. Adam, how are you feeling after that? Um, you know, another defeat this time in the FA Cup, this time to a Liverpool side without some key individuals. Did you expect that result? No, I think I'm pretty pissed off, to be honest. It's the level of dominance we had for so many large periods of that game, the chances, the shots, the creativity, the performances, the individuals all over the park. And for it not to result in a goal, it's just unacceptable. And when you look at the performances that Gabriel and Saliba put in at the back and Ramsdale behind them, I thought all three of them were superb. I thought Declan Rice had a really good game in front of them and Odegaard as well. But ultimately, look, you have to take your chances. And it's a case of, look, I fully believe we'll come back from this. I think all the signs are there. We're creating enough chances. We've got enough quality in this team. But the reality is, look, we can pick the positives out every week, which I do. I'm very much, I look at like the game state, what happened within it, how are you playing, how many duels are you winning, how many chances are you creating, how many shots are you having, all those metrics. And you can kind of see how a team's going to perform over the season with that. But at the same time, there's only so many games you can do that without saying, right, you need to put the ball in the back of the net. Because that's three games now, Villa, uh, West Ham and Liverpool, where we've dominated the game and had chance after chance after chance and not scored. And all three games we've lost. We haven't even come away with a draw in these games. All three of them, we've conceded really poor goals and we've ended up losing games. So those three games are ones that I think are going to be really costly to us, obviously being out of the FA Cup. I'm pretty gutted about that because I was tweeting yesterday saying that I Jurgen Klopp's been in England nearly nine years now. In that time, he has won one Premier League and one Champions League. So the reality is everyone writes off the FA Cup, they run off the Carabao, but those two major trophies have only been won by Pep in England and Klopp in the last eight years. And then you look at the Champions League and only one English club or two English clubs have won it in recent years. So it's something I think you need to be advancing in these competitions. Hmm. Quite profoundly put, Adam, um, when you basically, in other words, say that we're not good enough in front of goals. It's all good having all the other metrics go for you. But if you're not converting, if you're not putting the ball in the back of the net, it really doesn't matter. Monty, you're at the game today. Um, and we sent you to the game thinking that we would win because you have an excellent record at the Emirates. However, we have now found out that your record in the FA Cup isn't 
um, what we initially expected. So <laughs> how was the how was the game? How was the atmosphere? How was the occasion? Yeah, so um, it was good. The game was good. Uh, pre, pre-game vibes were really good. I was speaking to a lot of my friends who were at the game. Um, we were really confident going into it as well. I think we definitely had... Um, one of the things I liked seeing on the the team sheet prior to the game, especially, and, and I think a lot of people did as well, was Jorginho's inclusion. Um, that was that was needed because I think we spoke about it after the West Ham game. It was we felt very rushed, but we were never in control. Whereas Jorginho adds that pace. He has that experience. He knows when to when to when to go quick, when to slow it down. So I was happy with that. I was happy with Nelson coming on for Martinelli. Um, and in the ground, everyone had the same sort of thing. It was it was great atmosphere. I mean, the fans were, you can't berate the fans at all. They were back in the team throughout the whole 90 minutes. Um, and then, yeah, it just didn't really unfold like that. But we, dominant, dominant throughout the whole game. The first 45 minutes, we were just dominating. Um, yeah, it was just, un- it was just an un- frustrating game. And I'll just have the second what Adam was saying. It was, it's really, it was a, it pissed me off. Today pissed me off because we generated enough chances and like and Arteta has to take some blame. I don't think on a tactical basis he's going to, he, he has to take blame because tactically we, 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 we clearly had the, the better setup. Um, but on a personnel basis, he sets that up. There was clearly some personnel that wasn't working. Um, and needs to be some like freshness to the team. So with Nelson coming in, Nelson was good. Kivion, not so much. Uh, but Jorginho was was great. I think he was great in the midfield. Um, and it was just it was just a frustrating game. It was a very, very frustrating game. Um, I didn't really get to see it on a TV basis, but it looked like we completely dominated the whole game. Um, and we just didn't convert our chances, which was really frustrating. What, what about you, Farron? Did you what was your sort of um what was your thoughts prior to the game coming into it? Were you were you nervous when you saw the lineup? What what, what did you think of it? No, so unlike you guys, this is going to sound really strange. It's going to put a lot of people off, understandably, but hear me out. Um, I looked at this game and thought, um, if we win it, great. If we lose it, great. Um, The simple fact is I want Arsenal to regain their form and to um, get get the wheels moving again in the Premier League. I think the most important objective this season has to be the Premier League if we don't win it this season they're they're going to be real question marks on everyone manager the player the players the club so I I, I'm I'm more concerned about what happens in the league and in the Champions League as well Um, it's strange of me personally to be saying that because generally speaking in previous seasons I've been a big cut man um, I was devastated when we got knocked out of the League Cup. I really wanted Arsenal to go for, um, you know, a, a long, good run in that competition. Ended up, you know, getting knocked out. FA Cup comes around. We've just lost two in the bounce against West Ham and Fulham. Now we've got Liverpool. Um, we beat Liverpool great. We pr- we progress into the next round. But I'm more interested to see what happens against Palace. I'm more interested to see what happens against Forest. Um, I I think we're at a very critical stage right now in the season where make or break. Maybe we've 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 already broken, but especially now that we're in the middle of the transfer window, um, we're really gonna start to see who the real characters are. 
Can, um, I, can I ask you something, Farron? Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking, obviously, when you look at our cup runs in the past um, with Arteta, obviously, when he came in, he, he was the back of Emery getting to the semi-final when he did the last two games. Great. Since then, we have not had a deep run in the FA Cup at all. We, we, we've, I think the furthest we got was, what, round five? Round five, mm-hmm. round four? We, we, we just keep blundering off the bat. Do you not think that's a slight worry? Maybe. I mean, for the last few seasons, we've been in this um, whole project um, bubble. So, you know, it's been about rebuilding the squad. It's been about getting the best out of players. It's been about um, making sure the chemistry of the squad is perfect. So things like the FA Cup haven't, hasn't been a, a, a massive priority only because we've been far we've been far more focused elsewhere. I think this season is the kind of... Um, it's, 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 it's the final version of what we should be in the next five seasons, you know, five, six seasons. If, 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 if the, the project has been completed at the standard that we want it to be, um, then now we can start looking, or we should be now starting to look at competitions like the FA Cup, expecting us to win it, expecting us to challenge for the league, go um, you know, for a, a deep run in the Champions League. So I don't know. If you had asked me in a hypothetical, um, hypothetical is that a word I'm looking for? In a in a in a what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, hypothetical. Um, okay, it, let's take that. In a hypothetical world where Arsenal beat Fulham and West Ham. Ask me about the Liverpool game. Absolutely, I want us to beat them. Absolutely, I want us to progress to the next round. But where in the league where we have suffered so hard in December, um, I just really want to get back into it again. You know, I just find it really difficult to focus on anything else other than getting that form back and just try really hard to get back into the thick of it. So, yeah, and again, look, it's really it's difficult for me to admit that to myself and say it openly because I'm a massive advocate for Arsenal to 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 win these cups. It's almost what keeps us ticking over. Um but I feel like it's it's now time for us to just be a little bit more critical on ourselves and not allow things like FA cups to dictate whether we've been successful or not. If you see where I'm coming, so you're saying going for like the bigger cups. So you, you want more of a focus on the larger cups rather than sort of what we've been doing the last few years, is kind of scraping with those little cup wins. Yeah, I, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want it to be come the end of the season where you know, say we we end up in the in an FA Cup final for that to then uh, define how you know, well we've done this season. Um, I want the pressure to be on. I want them to really feel it, and 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 I want to see some gems come out of this really tough difficult period it's time that we see it no yeah no i would i would agree with you i'd agree with you i think we we definitely passed the like you say project phase uh we think we proved that last year and we should definitely be i mean we i think we have a good enough squad to be able to compete in on multiple fronts it's just right now like adam said at the start we're definitely out of form and I don't think it is a, on a tactical basis. Like I was saying, I, I think there's just a personnel, but I was just frustrated at the fact that there, there seems to be a, um, what's the word for it? It, it? it seems to be 
we're going for the same thing over and over again with there's, there's there's not much big changes like I mean for me today and I know we'll go into it was I think Saka should have just come off I, I just think he should have come off like like I was saying in the last two games on the pod is with Gabriel Martinelli if you bench him you get a better Martinelli because when he was benched he came on and he was electric he was electric he was he was getting in there he was down to the byline straight away and I, I just think maybe Saka needs one or two games to just just come off just as a break, as a reset, and he'll be able to get himself back into it because there was there was just lack of confidence, I think. And we saw it in the West Ham game when he skied the volley and he had multiple chances today and, and just missed them. And it was a very sloppy performance from him. Um, still love him. Still think he's an absolute baller. But, you know, every, every player is human at the end of the day. He can't be 100% every single game. He needs to have some time off. Do you know what I mean? And considering Arteta's words were we need to have challenges in every position and he, he he will rotate if someone's out of out of form why haven't you rotated then because he's out of form so why haven't you rotated that that's his own words do you know what i mean like surely give give the opportunity to someone else and if they don't do it then at least you tried it at least you tried it because you had Klopp putting on uh i can't remember his name Cole Bradley or someone of that who's like a 20 year old youth player and um their other youth player, like an 18-year-old, he put them on and they had a great game because they had the trust of their manager. They played out of their skin. So I just think we maybe should have lent on maybe some youth today who would have come in with some freshness and and desire because they want to take that opportunity. That's that's my personal opinion. I don't know about you guys, if you want to add on anything. Mm. Or... Look, the, 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 the problem is you're doomed if you do and you're doomed if you don't because mm. there's always the, oh, what if? What if we had put on Ethan Nwaneri? What if, what if we had put on X, Y, and Z? You're never going to know. And so, um, you know, it's difficult for us to have these conversations. By the way, by the way, I've just remembered the word I was supposed to say. It's parallel, in a parallel world. Anyway, Adam, what do you think? Do you think I'm, I'm being a little bit, have I gone mad to accept what most people listening to this might think is mediocrity? To not expect Arsenal to go for a deep cup run and to try and win the FA Cup? Yeah, look, I think we need to be going for these trophies. It's as I said, there are only two major trophies. And this year in the Premier League, there's four teams in it. As much as we write off Spurs, they're right in there in the mix. And until they're out of it, points-wise, I'm not going to fully discount them because I don't think they're going to win it. I don't think they're in a title race. But as long as they're knocking on our door and other teams are slipping up, they are in a title race on points. Um, Liverpool are still leading the charge. City have a game in hand or in ahead of us now. So the likes of the FA Cup's a great way to win a trophy. And what I don't think a lot of people remember with this group is it's only actually Saka that won a trophy in that FA Cup squad. Um, I think uh, Enkadia was in the squad, but Smith Rowe was on a loan at Huddersfield at the time. Um Obviously, Declan Rice and Havertz and people like that have won trophies elsewhere. But with this group of players, no one has actually won a trophy as a group. So for me, success breathes success. And the more trophies you get, if you look at Mourinho, whenever he came to England, first trophy he went for, League Cup, back in the day, the Carling Cup as it was. And he got that trophy. And mid-season, they've got a trophy to cling to. Walked over to the crowd, chucked his medal, and then did the same with his Premier League winner's medal, just because he can. And um, then we see Pep coming in, went for those cups as well. 
And it's like, it's just getting silverware. It's making players believe they can go on and do it. And I think if you look at the FA Cup, it's what, seven games or something like that in total. And yes, you've got a Liverpool today, but you don't have a Liverpool in every round. And the chances of getting a draw that hard again in the next round are very low. Which Liverpool go and get like, I don't know, Bristol Rovers or something in the West next Brown. round. Because, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those that I think you go out and you win these trophies. And I, I'm gutted to be out of this competition. Um, I think we've got a lot of players out at the minute. The squad is stretched thin. Um, we've got Tomiyasu away to the Asia Cup. We've got Pardey close to returning. But we've got a lot of players really stretched thin. Fabio Vieira's back soon. And these kind of injuries, obviously Jesus dropping today, I think it's just one of those, we want to be winning these competitions. We don't want to be the side that comes to the end of the season and say, oh, we went out of the FA Cup to focus on the Premier League and Champions League. Because people say, well, you didn't win them. And I, I know I would rather have an FA Cup and a top four finish at the end of the season than come second and have thrown all the cups because you want to focus on something else. So for me, I think we need to win something as a group to prove to people that we can win it. And look, people will write off and say, oh, it's only the FA Cup. I saw Liverpool win it 18 months ago and their players celebrated like mad when they won that competition and they had a Champions League final a few days later. So every club that wins the Champions League celebrates like they've won the Champions League. And the... Then the minute they're out, they said it's the only only the FA Cup. It's just a poor narrative. And the reality is we've won this competition more than anyone. We've got a great history in it. I think Monty made a great point about Arteta's record in comp- cup competitions. That's a big concern because we saw it in his first season going out to was it Olympiacos, one of the Greek clubs in the Europa League. Mm. And then we've yeah. seen since then us just fail to progress. So I, I think it, it's one of those in last year as well 100 percent. so we just need to i think really have that backbone and ultimately for me we played a really strong team today so it's not like we weren't taking that game serious we went all out to win that and we haven't won it and that's incredibly disappointing but i still think we are a side out of form and we will bounce back no team does what we did to liverpool without being a good team we just lack that cotton edge and that comes with confidence yeah look there will be a number of different uh, opinions um from the three of us you know when dissecting this game and when looking for explanations as to why we didn't beat them and why we haven't won the last few games ultimately um it's i feel like arsenal football club are just a unique club in the sense that it, it only really ever happens to us um you have teams who are in bad form they don't perform well they end up losing games there are other teams that are just hugely naive and do things that um in retrospect they shouldn't do arsenal on the other hand played a really good game against liverpool dominated for large parts of it generated a huge amount of chances and if you think about, and you know, I, I think this, I have thought about this actually for the last few games. You give other teams the amount of chances that we have, they punish you. They punish you in a, in a blink of an eye. But for whatever reason, Arsenal Football Club just end up doing it to themselves time and time and time again. Um, look, we spoke about the starting lineup. I think it's all. I think we're all in agreement when we say that it was a, a, a very 
interesting starting lineup an exciting one as well changes being made that um we welcomed for example martinelli being dropped we've been calling that out for the last few weeks um bakaya saka out wide good happy with that Havertz up front very interesting and, and and one that we were excited to see how that would play out good back line as well um aside from you know the left back um choice which i guess arteta was forced into making and really happy to see Jorginho back as well, starting alongside Declan Rice. Now let's talk about the game itself. Um, the opening exchanges, Monty, I quite liked. I thought it was a nice calm start mm-hmm. to the game um, until Ramsdale put in a lovely ball over the top for Nelson, went yeah. in on goal, beats Allison perhaps could have taken it earlier than he did, mm-hmm. but from a very, very tight angle, um, he fails to convert. And I don't think anyone expect, is, is is expecting him to um, put that in the back of the net from that angle. But it's a really good tempo in the first few minutes. We're looking confident on the ball. Everyone's looking quite focused um, and just knocking the ball around, getting good feel for it. Is that a fair reflection of what you saw? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, don't wrong. I, I agree with you. I think Nelson could have definitely taken an earlier shot. Um, but obviously considering he's not had that much game time um, and it's his first start in, in quite a while, um, it, it was more of a, okay, this is the kind of game that we're getting. So we're, we're going to probably generate more chances. It was it was good to see that we were electric off the bat. Um, and yes, he, he should have probably took it earlier um, with, with hindsight. Um, but I thought after that, I was like, right, this is the kind of game we're getting. And then that was what we got. We, we were generating multiple, multiple chances. Uh, Ramsdale was extremely warmly recepted when he came back on. Fans were singing his name. He was reacting with the fans again. Um, he was commanding at the back line as well. He was being, being his normal self, being very vocal. Um, and yeah, it was just an unfortunate... Um, it was it was so early on because I think it was what it was like the third 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 minute wasn't it or like second yeah. second minute um, yeah so it it was more I wasn't expecting it to go in do you know what I mean it it would have been great if it did uh, but it was more a case of right we're we're dominant we are definitely having we definitely have the initiative in this game and I think with that addition of Jorginho in that midfield it allowed us to do that. Um, and then the, the route straight over the top from Ramsdale was just perfect. Um, that's that's what we know he can do. He can do this. Uh, he can always spray it, but it's probably what Arteta doesn't like because he does it maybe too much. Rather, Rare will just r- r- rigorously pass it short, pass it short, pass it short, pass it short, pass it short. But Ramsdale saw it, gets it. Unfortunate not to go in, but we carry on. We dominated and we just couldn't convert those chances. And maybe it was... Um, I think it's per- I think it's a personnel thing. It's definitely a personnel thing, and um, there needs to be a change. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wanted to see Havertz maybe up front and get the opportunity, but we have seen in the past when he was at Chelsea, it doesn't work. It it, it doesn't work him up front. He, he is the kind of player, in my opinion. I think he needs someone next to him because he is he can bring the ball down. He's excellent at doing that, but he he ha- he has his. And I saw him have multiple chances where he he hesitates. He takes one touch too much, one one. Do you know what I mean? He takes an extra second, and then by that chance, the time's gone. Um, but if he had that player next to him, like I personally wanted to see us maybe go with a three-five-two and have Nketiah up front with him, 
because then he can chest it down, get to Niketa. Niketa is, is a trigger happy person. He likes to shoot. He might not score every time, but he likes to shoot. Whereas Havertz has that sort of um, delay in his game and it allows the defenders just to get on him. So yeah, I think it was just a bit of a mismatch um, today, but great, great performance, sure. But um, when you're not scoring, when you're, I think I saw a stat earlier, we've had 61 shots in three games and we've had one goal. One goal. That's that's alarming. That's alarming. Um, and it needs to be, because yes, we can talk about there's a there's a January transfer window. We do need a player, sure. We need a player, but we haven't got a player. So when it comes to Palace, we need to have we need to have an answer. We need to have an answer to score because Palace, we know what's going to happen with them. They're going to park the bus. We're going to have the ball a lot of the time and we need to have that final touch. But where does it come from? I don't know. What, what, what about you guys? Where do you think it comes from? How do we get out of this? Adam, very quickly, uh, Monty poses a very interesting question and I just want to quickly build on that question so that you can answer it um, in the right kind of way. I mean, many fans like Monty are going to be critical of Mikel Arteta and maybe the system that he is playing certain individuals in. We had the suggestion in the group chat that maybe Nketiah and Havertz should be playing up front together. Um, I am very much of the opinion that if you're generating 18 shots on goal, it's your responsibility to be clinical in front of goal. But hey ho, hey ho, sorry. Um, there, you know, we we have we have two sides here. Um, I think that one of the biggest frustrating things I noticed very early on as well was how quickly we're able to get on the edge of the box and how well we're able to get the ball in the final third. But then um, maybe we we overplay it. Maybe we're a little bit too intricate. Maybe we just lack the cutting edge or just the cojones to have a go. Where do you stand, Adam? I think there is a degree of being too intricate at times, not having that shot quick and early. Havertz was definitely guilty of that a couple of times today. Um but I think you're right in what you've said. Look, if a manager coaches a game where you've had 18 shots against Liverpool, look, I know they had a few players missing, but that's still a really, really strong Liverpool team. Like you've got Trent, Joe Gomez, very experienced. That was his 199th game for Liverpool. Alisson, Kanate, Harvey Elliott, McAllister, Jones, Diaz, Darwin, Gakpo. Look, these are all top, top players. So... Yeah, they had a couple of players missing, but that it really the only player that was actually missing was Salah because McAllister was starting ahead of Endo whenever he was fit. So it's for me they weren't really missing that many players. Salah obviously the big big one because he's a superstar and possibly the best player in the world right now. He has been one of the best in the world for the last decade. So. For me, it's a case of when you've got a, a game where you've put a game plan in place and gone out and had that many shots. And I think the, the frustrating thing is how many clear-cut chances we had. Even minute one, if you look at Nelson's chance, that's one Nelson goes through. Um, it's one of those, how many times did we see Aubameyang put that under the keeper with his studs, where rather than chipping the keeper, he kind of pushes it down into the ground. And uh, so it reduces the kind of distance that you have to like control the ball. Uh, or you see a player that just, they, they, they get a touch around the keeper or whatever. But either way, you take that chance early. Theo Walcott used to do that all the time. Give Theo time, always miss. 
no time at all, always scored. But like that kind of thing, that was like two minutes into the game, we had that big of a chance. You had Havertz header, you had um, Odegaard hitting the bar, you had the uh, one Havertz yeah. pulled across goal for Nelson. All these chances came about because of our pressing game, our intensity, our passing, our positioning, how well we were able to play in and around Liverpool. And in the first half, they should have been completely out of sight. So whilst I get people's frustrations with Arteta, it's it's one of those that you have to look at the performances on the pitch and look at the players. And I, I think look, Arteta is not immune to criticism. I think that's something... It, as long as it's constructive, I'm perfectly happy to give him criticism. But at the same time, it's where we've come from in the last couple of years to where we are now is insane. So I think it's a case of you look at the team that he put out today. I really like the team, Jorginho on the pitch. Um, I thought he should have come in from the Fulham game. But all in all, Martin, the calls have been there for Martinelli to be dropped. He was dropped. So look, for me, the, the chances were there. And the the reason I, I tweeted this out earlier, the reason the striker argument pisses me off so much is because I feel it exclu- uh, it excuses all our attacking players from responsibility of scoring. Last season, Saka, Martinelli, and Odegaard all got what fourteen and fifteen goals each. Those players have shown they can score goals. Havertz can score goals. And Jesus got 11 goals last season in the league. So you look at those numbers. These players can score goals, but right now no one is stepping up to do it. And you look at the West Ham game, again, Arteta coached a great performance in that game. Jesus misses an open net. Saka misses three glorious chances. Fulham, that one that came out of the air, Saka volleys it over the bar, has time to take a touch. Again, there are things that as a coach, you can't anticipate that your star player on the best part of 300 grand a week is going to miss those chances. So I think right now we need to see more attacking responsibility from our players because, look, we're seeing it from our defenders and Gabriel and Saliba. We're seeing it from Declan Rice. To be fair to Odegaard, I thought he had a really good game today. He should have scored the one he hit the bar with. But all in all, he was the one that I felt was really taking responsibility but our wide players and our two kind of superstar wingers need to be stepping up at this point. Okay, here's where I differ slightly from what you've said. I understand that, you know, um, traditionally speaking, a striker's job is to finish, um, is to score goals. And I know that we've, we've come a little bit further from that reality and now we're in an age where wingers are far more involved in scoring and um you know they're a lot more flamboyant in their role but if all fails and if players are out of form you have to be relying on your strikers to get you out of that mess if that makes sense and the fact that are that arsenal don't have a competent nine to convert chances that are being generated for them i.e. tonight Havertz having two very good opportunities where he's you know in the box in a great area and he fails to get that first touch right let alone the finish we need to be asking questions of where are our strikers because we can't rely on Saka and Martinelli to be yeah go on so like I I completely agree with you especially when it comes to Jesus because he plays up front every week for us but with Havertz, that was a really good target man's performance. We That really brought our Odegaard, Saka, Nelson into the game. So if 
that was 10 games in and Havertz was missing those chances as a striker. I would fully hold that belief. But my issue with that is Havertz created two big, big chances today that we should have scored. And he that's also his first game playing up front. So one game he's trying to learn a completely new role in the left eight position, which also changes the asks of that role every week. So one week Arteta's wanting him to go on beyond Jesus with him dropping in. The next week he's wanting him to sit closer to Rice and play more the way Shaka played. And then today he's playing up front as a striker where you want him to have a lot less touches but shoot on sight. So I, I think a bit of consistency in how our players are used will help that as well. So if you give Havertz a run mm. as a, a central striker, you might see goals coming because we know he's a player that feeds off confidence. And look, I'm not excusing his misses today. And I do agree with what you're saying, Farhan, about a clinical goal scorer. And I think that's what we need. And However, I think... Right now, we don't have the capability to go out and buy that player. It's Arteta's really downplaying what we can do in the market. And I think we would have to sell, which is reliant on clubs buying. So that's why I'm kind of really reluctant to go into the what we don't have argument because I think we've got enough that we should be doing better right now. And that that's where, what my point is. It's, if you kind of keep saying, but if we had a striker, it's like those players have shown for the last mm. two seasons that they can score these goals. So it, it's not even that they're mm. not getting in the positions. You've got Saka missing chances that he would have gobbled up for fun. You've got Havertz missing chances today. Odegaard hitting the bar. Nelson missing a couple. Any of those chances go in. That game was out of sight. And But I guarantee the argument would still have been Arsenal need a striker because it's an easy narrative. And actually, these players are all highly paid top-class players. I don't think it's a case that... Just very... Sorry, very quickly. I don't think it's a case that it's um, a, you know, weak narrative or it's an excuse. The fact is we do need a striker. We're generating far too many opportunities, not taking them. The two most important positions where you need composure are back in goal and up front as a striker. If you're not composed up front, you're not going to be converting your chances. Um, and you know those are the facts. The mm. fact that we don't have a traditional striker, someone who uh, is designed to score goals, is a reflection on the amount of shots we're having on goal and the amounts of opportunities that we're creating. We're doing everything right, guys. The football is 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 scintillating at times. It's really nice on the eye. We were doing some really good combinations tonight, but it just failed on that last <coughs> bit, that last moment. Pulling that trigger just wasn't enough. And it, even when it did work out, for example, Odegaard hitting the the post or the... the Crossbar. Um, yeah, the post, sorry. He did everything right. He couldn't have done anything more. He hit that ball really nicely. Mm. It just didn't go into the back of the net. Sometimes you just need someone who's designed to play in that position for the ball to go into the back of the net. Some players are just, you know, they're, they're, they're made to <laughs> score goals. So I don't know. I... I, I I understand that we've seen these players in the past score numerous amounts of goals, but that's not their primary objective. Their primary objective is to do, you know, other things. If we're now putting the pressure on them to score goals, then maybe that has an has an impact on the other sides of the game that we 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 need them to excel in. For example, Saka, we need him to be able to beat his man. We need him to drive into the box. We need him to deliver good balls into the box. Same with Martinelli. 
Now, if we're all having a go at Saka and Martinelli for not converting their their, their chances, then isn't that gonna isn't that gonna have a detrimental impact on mm. the other aspects of their games as well? No, definitely, and I I think as well. Just I wanted to add on to um to Adam as well because I think he brought in a good point in highlighting that Havertz actually had quite a good target man performance, and that's like a key one because he is great at. at putting his back onto a defender, securing him off. But I think when he lacks confidence, that's why I, I mentioned, I think Nketiah say working up front, because I think actually our weakest point, in not just a striker, I think his left back. I think left back is probably one of our weakest points in the squad, just because of purely down to injuries at this point. But that's why I just think it would be maybe just to try it. Do you know what I mean? Like take the left back out, um, put Nketiah up front with, with Havertz, because... Although Nketiah, yes, he's not the best striker of the ball. He's not an absolute uh, baller like Haaland who will just bag everything. But he doesn't lack confidence. Nketiah does not lack confidence. He always backs himself. Whereas, and he will take that shot early. That's why I think if you had him next to, say, a Havertz, who can draw the ball down, and then what you do is if you have those two up front, that draws people's defenders narrow, which then allows our wide players to get the one-on-ones because you have two people isolating the centre-backs this this is this is just from my perspective, but I think it would be is something worth a try. Do you know what I mean? And because we've seen when we go to three five two, and we have more more of the ball, we we have more of the ball. And when on our defenders, our defenders are fine. Our defenders are, are fine, um, and they they're, they're fast. They can track across. They're they're not slow. I just think it would be something worth a try. Because um, at the moment, yes, ideally we would love to get a striker. Uh, ideally, everyone wants to get a striker right now, but we don't have one. And until we get one, we have to use what we have. And I, I, I would just like to see, because what we're doing recently isn't working. Although we're getting all the shots, we're getting everything. We're lacking that final, do you know what I mean? That, 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 and it's, it's confident. It's a confidence thing. What you need is one person to score the goal and all of a sudden we'll start scoring four or five. Do you know what I mean? It, it, we need that. And I think if we get those two up front, I just think it would it would benefit us uh, going forward because you need someone next to Havertz who can take that responsibility of doing the shots because Havertz clearly doesn't have it in him. And he's never really had it in him at all. He never had it at Chelsea. He never had it at Leverkusen. He doesn't score quickly. He does. He creates, he, he passes, he brings people into the game. That's always been his skill. So I think we should, with the players that we have at the moment, we should be playing someone next to him. That's just that's my opinion. People might disagree. Um, but I think that's I think that's maybe someone we should go personally. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the positive things that we saw in that first half. Because, like mm. I said, everything up until the 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 penalty box was really really good, and um, I think we found a new partnership, uh, a positive one in you know, Jorginho and Rice. Um, Jorginho, who I feel like has has seemed to really level up his his the tempo of his passing since coming to Arsenal. He seems to have picked up these little things from players like Odegaard where, you know, it just, uh, the ball leaves his foot feet a lot quicker. He's um, a lot quicker on the half turns. And I feel like when you're, when you have someone competent like Jorginho, you're, it, it frees up Declan Rice to then do what he needs to do. I didn't see him much in the advanced areas, but having said that, actually, I did see him in the advanced areas without the ball. And that's something that we did really, really well. In the final third, the pressing was really, really good. Um, Odegaard, Saka, Declan Rice, 
did everything they needed to do in order to close down spaces, in order to force Liverpool to make errors. And that's where a bunch of our our, our chances came. Um, so, Adam, in the future, are we looking at a Jorginho-Rice partnership to be something more of a, a permanent fix? Well, you know I've always liked Jorginho. And I'm sure Monty will have watched a lot of Jorginho in his Napoli days anyway. But... Um, that was what Jorginho was all about. It was like quick, moving the ball quickly, that quick turn, literal metronome, pass, 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 move it up the pitch, like literally start deep and work his way up. And he, he operated in that middle third, turning, everything was quick. And then he went to Chelsea and he did it when he was playing with Kante in his first season. And they actually pushed Kante up into more of an eight role to accommodate Jorginho. But then as Chelsea got worse, they had a load of average players. They ended up playing much, much bigger distances. So when Jorginho got the ball, he would turn and look for someone. And that was something that was completely new to him. And he was being exposed. Then when he came to Arsenal, especially last season, we were playing really short distances all the time. And today was kind of back to what we were doing before. We saw it against Brighton. We've seen it against Wolves. But that's the first time Jorginho has been on the pitch where we've really been at it like that. So for me, it's a partnership that I think has worked whenever we've used it and one that I, I would like to see more of. I would have liked to see it at Fulham. I thought that would have been a good game for for Jorginho because Bassi was such an aggressive defender that day. Jorginho is the kind of player that would drop the ball in slightly short of the forward to drag someone like Enkedia or Jesus closer to him and keep pulling Bassi into that area. And we saw that today. Jorginho is so good at just moving the ball around the park. And it is all very, very quick. One touch, two touch. And by his own standards, he didn't actually have a huge amount of passes, 49 in total. And he completed 40 of those. So... It, that tended to be the, the case across the, the pitch. There, were, there was a lot of kind of players hitting that 40, 50 passes and it was the same across both teams. And that was just because it was so competitive. It was such a, like, there was a lot of duels going on and it meant that neither team were really holding the ball for long periods. And where we were so effective was winning those duels high up the park. But a player like Jorginho in there, he moves it so fast. And then you've got it really allowed Rice to kind of help win those balls higher up as well. And it was helping Odegaard with that too. So, yeah, I, I like the partnership and it's one that I would definitely like to see more of. Okay. Um, before we move on. Okay, that sound could only mean one thing. We have arrived at the halfway point of the show where I'll be taking you guys into the second part of the show. But before we do that, um, Adam, can you summarise that first half in one word? Dominant. Monty. Competent. Cool. So we're all in agreement then Arsenal had a pretty good first half and we didn't men we didn't even mention the chances in the in the, in the final 10 15 minutes. Ben White with a stinging strike which is saved by Allison really unexpected. Um then the there was a corner comes in straight into Havertz goes wide and then another brilliant chance near the end of the half. Um again just comes from pressing in the final third. Rice dives into intercept. Odegaard picks the ball up. 
um, passes it into Havertz, takes an eternity to get the shot away. And then finally, just before the halftime whistle, Trent with a shot which hits the post. Could have arguably... Um, yeah, could have been could have been one nil to Liverpool, but go into the second half full of confidence, and actually, um, it's a good start to the second half as well. White puts in a long ball over the top for Saka, who manages to get in behind, but he's just not quick enough to turn and shoot. And again, just epitomizes what the problems are. He does everything perfect other than the finish. Um, so yeah, at what point, Monty, does it start to? go south honestly i i don't i don't even necessarily think it even went south um it was just liverpool were just quick when they when they got the ball they they didn't have many chances throughout the whole game um but when they did get it they took them and that's that's something that we haven't done and when you put up that saka one it, it felt like he in in that moment i really wanted him to just shoot on the one although it, it was there was a very high chance it wasn't going to go in it's probably not going to get caught. It's probably going to go for a corner. It's probably going to go out and get spilled out. And there was Havertz running up. There was other players in the around the area. Do you know what I mean? Who who up there? Who could pay attention? Could pick it up? I don't. I don't. I just. I don't think we lost the game. In I mean, I know we lost the score, but in terms of the the way that the game was played, we never really looked out of control. Um, we tend to have it. It's only when Yotta came on, um, who added more directness to Liverpool. Uh, and, and was really putting it on players and, and making them go into tackles. And also, I, I want to speak about the ref as well. Um, I know we, we haven't even been able to, and I think the ref had a bad game. There were there were definitely 100%. lots of uh, tackles that should have been. Yeah, the, the, well, on Odegaard specifically. Odegaard, yeah, was that, that there was, was the one point where Odegaard was was fouled. I think twice in in the space of thirty seconds, failed to pull him up on both. Yeah. And you could see Odegaard was you know rightly so pissed off. Yeah, it was a shocking performance. It was a, it was a shocking ref performance, I think. Um, and towards the end of the game, he just started throwing throwing yellows. Um, but again, I. <sighs> I, did, I don't think there was anything wrong in the way that we approached the game or the fact that on, on defensively we were good. It's just they took their chances. Kivior scored her own goal. Um, unfortunate. It's, it's unfortunate. There's, there's nothing Ramsdow could have done. Um, so you, you can't break him on that because I think Ramsdow all in all was pretty good and he had an exceptional save uh, as well in, in um, the second half. And it was just it was a beautiful, beautiful save. It looked like it was going to go straight in. Uh, and then, yeah, they get the corner from a Yotta run down down the flank, um, which Yotta's just always involved in goals at the Emirates. And then from there, it, we kind of, we, we panicked. I feel like we, we started to panic. We started going, because you could see the players that were frustrated that they conceded. They were really frustrated. And and they show they should be because we were, we were by far the better team today. Um, and then from there, it just seems like we... We're forcing things. We were for, instead of rather being controlled um, and putting the balls in sharply, we were just sort of banging them in. There were, I mean, when Trossard, uh, when Trossard came on and he had the corners, I don't think Trossard should be our corner taker anymore. Like he, he just doesn't, he doesn't put in any good balls. He, he, we had loads of wasted opportunities, um, and it seems like because we were just trying to force it. Um, but again, I, I don't, I don't think it, it went wrong for us. Uh, ben White potentially, uh, you could say, uh, got sort of leggy towards the end. And I, I think there, there, there's rumours that he's carrying a bit of a niggle um, and he wasn't overlapping nowhere near as much uh, today as, as what we've seen him in the past. And he seemed like he was quite reluctant to go forward because um, he would have to track back, especially with Darwin Nunes, who is electric fast. 
Um, not very, the, not necessarily the best finisher, but you can't give a player like that the ball and the time to to be able to pick out a ball. So again, I can't, I I, I can't, I can't find a, a spot where where it started going wrong. It's just it's just a purely a case of we didn't take our chances and we we were too hesitant with the moments that we had. Like for instance, like that Saka one, he just take it on the one, shoot it. When Ben White in the first half took that shot, normally. We, we would expect him to get it and pass it along, go to Erdegaard, work, work around across. He took the shot, we got a corner out of it. And then we got another chance from that corner. Sometimes you just have to shoot. Like when Erdegaard shot in the first half, hit the crossbar, it seemed after that he just stopped shooting. It's like he was like, okay, well that didn't work, so let's just not do that. Mm. Sometimes yeah, you just got to I mean, take those. We know Odegaard's just extremely one-footed and hopefully that changes. But Adam, unlike Monty, I did feel like the tide started to turn quite early on in the in the second half as well. I noticed a pattern that Liverpool were um, trying to create when going forward. There were loads of long balls over the top trying to find both Diaz and Nunez and actually getting the best out of the defensive line. Um, it seemed like you know, in, in, in the sort of, uh, five minutes, they had a good five minute spell after that, um, Bakayo Saka chance where it was essentially, I don't know, uh, mistakes on our behalf or not, not being clinical enough with the ball where they were able to break and they were able to just get that ball quickly into the final third of our, of our box. Um, luckily enough, we had William Saliba putting in a real shift. Otherwise, um, Nunez and Diaz could have had a bit of a field day. I mean, Nunez had that opportunity where cuts in um, into the box on the left-hand side, has a shot and it whisks wide. Um, so, you know, were you, were you, I mean, First and foremost, what what did you think? What, did you feel like Liverpool were slowly creeping back into the game early on in the second half? Um, if yeah, if so, what was it? Was was that down to? Do you think we were we had a bit of lapse in concentration in midfield? We weren't being clinical enough with the ball. No, I think every game has a swing, and you're right in the way they were targeting. They were pinging that long ball across to try and get him behind Ben White quite a bit. Um, I, I thought Saliba had a mixed game today. He did some really, really good pieces of work. And then there were other things that I, I felt he got caught out a bit. And um, I thought Gabriel was better than Saliba today, which happens more often than people care to admit. And um, every mistake Gabriel makes gets blown up, whereas Saliba's don't. But I, I think games just have a natural swing. And it was one of those, I think, Alan Shearer summed it up very well at the end of the first half when he said Liverpool aren't going to give Arsenal this number of chances in the second half. They're going to come out a lot more re-energised. And that's exactly what happened. And I think it's a case of when you have all these chances, you have to take them. You don't take your chances. It gives the other team belief. And that will be exactly what Klopp will have said in the dressing room is, look, they've had all these chances. We've got our mistakes out of us now. Go out. You know the game plan. Go out and do it. And Klopp said at the end of the game, he was like, look, um, to come and play against Arsenal, the way they set up today was really, really difficult. And basically said they kind of rode their luck at times. And I think that's ultimately what happened where they had kind of more belief as the second half went on we they made some good changes at the right time um, I think as Monty mentioned 
bringing on Gakpo just gives them a bit more threat. Uh, Gakpo's a player, or not Gakpo, um, what's his name? X Wolves. Yota, Yota. Jota, Jota. Yeah, when they brought Jota on, it was one of those, the minute I saw him warming up, it was like when Firmino used to warm up against us and you knew he was going to come on and mm. score. With Jota today, I just thought he's someone that's going to create problems. Graven Verge made a bit of an impact and obviously won the free kick. But, but look, I thought it was one of those where the second half was more even. It was... When you look at it, they had more shots. I think we were more sloppy at times, but we still had a lot more of the ball. Um, we were still uh, like we had more corners. We we had more free kicks. We more throw-ins in attacking areas. Uh, both teams had the same number of big chances, but I did feel they were coming back into the game a lot more. And I do think that's the natural swing of a game. And when you're playing against a side like Liverpool, it's a case of taking your chances. I we say it all the time, if you don't take your chances, you don't win games. It's one of the, it's the the most basic fundamental of football. It's like put the ball in the back of the net. And it's like you can win a game by being completely shit for 90 minutes and taking the one chance you get. And today we had about 12 good chances and didn't take any of them. Let's have a chat about Bakayo Saka. I know we've touched on him, but um, he had two big chances. I don't know whether you want to call them big chances. I think one of them was quite big. The other one was maybe asking a lot of him. I'll take you through them both before I ask you, ask the two of you, um, you know, about <laughs> your opinions on Saka at the moment, what needs to be done, why maybe he's not playing at his optimum level. But um, best chance of the game for me with a, a deceived free kick, a really intelligent, uh, intelligently worked free kick. The ball's really cleverly put into Havertz by Odegaard, um, falls the whole Liverpool defence, chips it into the box. Gabriel was there, doesn't head it, and instead decides to leave it for Saka, who um, makes a real meal of it again. I think he's in, he's in a really awkward position to get a clean strike on that. Poor finish a great chance and again one that goes begging another chance and it comes to Saka again the build-up really brilliant down the left-hand side with Kivior playing it into Nelson dribbles inside allowing Havertz to go go wide um, plays him in and his deflected cross I think it was a, yeah somewhat of a cross um, Alisson tips it over Saka again in a bit of an awkward angle um, finishing really really poor so um, I'll start with you, Adam, because I have a feeling, I'm a sneaky feeling. I know what Monty's going to say, but Adam, what what do you think? Do you, first and foremost, do you think um, Saka needed to be better with those chances? And what do you think needs to be done to try and get the best out of him? Because he is critical for us to convert chances um, when we're up there in that free. If Jesus and Martinelli aren't performing, we we can always rely on Saka. Now that he's 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 pulled he's pulled off a bit, it's it's getting a bit hairy, isn't it? Yeah, well, I have to go back to and rewind a bit to your point about Saka and Martinelli, or they shouldn't be relied on for goals. Saka was our top scorer <laughs> in 2021 22. Yeah. He was our second highest scorer last season. Saka is a goal scorer and winger, and that is the reality of it. We play with a false nine in Gabriel Jesus. He is the definition of that type of player. He's as close, he's the only one that does what like Firmino did. And but I felt today in the first half between Havertz, Odegaard, and Saka, 
that's exactly what we need to do to get the best out of Saka. If you look at the chances, the space he was getting, there was a good distance between him and Odegaard. That's one of the biggest problems that we have right now is you've essentially got our two best players competing for the same zones of the pitch. And that brings all the defenders over onto probably our two most creative players, also probably our two best goal scorers. So having Odegaard that bit deeper, giving Haver Saka the space and then having Havertz is more of a target man, that gives him space to operate in. And I actually thought in the first half he was really good. And if you look at the the likes of the Nelson chance when Havertz crossed that, that's all Saka. And there's different moments in the game. There's also times I felt he made good runs and he could have been played in earlier. But with him right now, look, people say Saka needs a rest. He didn't look like a player that needed a rest out there. He was still sprinting and running and tackling and doing all the things. I just felt in the second half he was really poor today, not really, really poor. And it, a lot of it was decision-making, his touch, the things that we don't usually associate with Saka all came in the second half. And I don't know if that was down to frustration or because, again, it didn't look like confidence. He scored in his last game and he scored against Wolves and he's got a few goals recently. So I don't think it's a confidence issue with Saka, but I do think that the key is honestly doing what we did in the first half. And if we come out and do in the first half against Crystal Palace on the 20th of January, what we did in the first half today after two weeks off of if I'm Mikel Arteta, I am just getting those players to shoot for two weeks. And if we do that, we're going to go out and batter Palace. So I, I do think that we could be re-energized over the next couple of weeks because Saka was fantastic in that first half. And in the second half, he looked like Reese Nelson. That's how bad he was. Yeah, Monty, what struck me was there was an opportunity. <laughs> there was a moment where he had he had picked up his trademark position Mm. Um, when he's just outside of the box on that right-hand side, cuts in, has a shot. Usually, those shots would whisk very close um, past the post or fly into the back of the net. This time, Mm. it goes horribly wide. And in that moment, I just I looked at him and thought, something isn't right. Something Mm. just doesn't look right with you because usually you would make that look good. You would make those, because th- we associate Saka with those moments. And he didn't yeah. really look pissed off either with himself. He kind of like, you know, not necessarily shrugged his shoulder, but it was almost a moment where, you know, right, that moment's gone. Um, let's, let's, let's continue. Whereas Saka of the past, you miss an opportunity like that, you can tell, you know, a little bit annoyed um, that he didn't make the most of it. What did you think of um, Saka's performance and what do you think needs to happen to try and get the best out of him? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with Adam as well. I think Saka did actually have quite a decent first half. Um, I think towards the end though, he did, he just, he had like a sort of a, um, the way that he was playing, he did, although he didn't look frustrated, the way that he was playing was like a frustrated player. He was like, he was, he was getting annoyed at the fact that he wasn't as free or as open. And I do think that is also a little bit down to Ben White. Um, he doesn't overlap as much. He doesn't, he doesn't create those overloads. And we, we were relying on Havertz and Erdegaard to overload that side, uh, which then meant when you cross it, there's no one in the middle because Havertz is having to come out. Um, so it was quite hard uh, for, for him to do that. And it's the thing with Saka is we know how good he is. And like you said, like he's been our top scorer for many years. He's, he's borderline world-class. So he, he is world-class. I think you can say that he's just a, a, an outstanding player um, who but every human has 
down days. They have they have moments where they don't get picked up. And there are, I think there are there are things around him that's going on which aren't allowing him to be his best. But I also think for him as well, like the one thing I noticed with Saka compared to last year, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't really see that many byline runs from him today. I, I maybe saw one or two, but when you look at like a Martinelli in contrast, who every time he got the ball was trying to go down to the byline and actually mm-hmm. got past his player maybe twice or three times. It's like Saka, he doesn't want to do those one-on-ones. Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't know what it is. And I don't know if it's because, because normally what we're used to is Ben White does the overload. He passes the overload. Then he then goes inside on the byline and Ben White, tucks it in just behind him. And then that's when Saka gets the ball, picks it up and whips it into Jesus or Nketiah or whoever's in the middle. And that's when you tend to get the goals. And that's what we had a lot last year. And when he came in, he was he kept doing it, kept doing his signature, go inside, cut inside. And the players, the thing with Saka is everyone knows he does that. So he was getting swamped. He was definitely getting swamped and it was very, very difficult. And I think, like you said, and normally he misses it just or it gets saved and gets pushed over and it goes out to a corner. Um, but I, I just saw a, a, a frustrated player in the way that he was playing. Like he seemed like he he's himself is quite annoyed at the fact that he's not scoring because he knows how good he is and we all know how good he is. And I just think there's 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 things around him that need to be fixed. Like, so yes, Ben White looks like he's carrying a niggle, but we can't replace him. We don't have the depth to um to get in a new player. That's why when everyone's saying, "Oh, we need a striker, need a striker," I think more importantly, we need we need defenders. We need fullbacks um to come in and, and make those runs because you have to remember Ben White isn't a right back. He's, he's traditionally a centre back uh, who got pushed out to right back because we didn't have a right back. And we still don't have one. Um, so I think we definitely need to be looking at someone who can complement Saka um, and cause those overloads. Because once you once you get Saka in a true one-on-one, he's he's lethal. He's dangerous. He's he's so tricky. He's very hard to get the ball. And if you, you try to get the ball off him, he'll move it slightly and then you end up fouling him. Um, and yeah, it just seemed like he, was, um, he wasn't getting his way and he's not getting his way. But I, I just think going forward, and I mean, if we do like Adam says, if we do play like we did against Crystal Palace, I'm, 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 we are long overdue, like a six-five nil. We are long overdue, and look at our xG over the last three games; it's like six point seven eight or something like that. Scored one goal. We should be scoring, but I think if we get, if we can get someone into complement Saka, I think we'll start seeing those more because I don't, I don't like like what we've keep saying. We are creating these chances. Our attacking players are creating these chances, but it's it's more. How many clear cut, clear cut? Because yes, we're getting lots of shots and there's a lot of frustrated shots being taken that are blocked or there's a lot of people in the way. But if we can create those overloads and create those one-on-ones where it becomes an easier shot, I think we'll get more conversion. Um, and that that's just what I was saying. But I just think maybe Saka, over, maybe over the next two weeks, he, he comes back and he, he comes offline, which I would love to see. I think we'd all love to see. But I, I yeah, I just think Mikalita should have maybe have just subbed him off uh, because in that second half, definitely he he was he wasn't on it. He wasn't on it. We we were seeing sloppy uh, plays from him and, and uncharacteristic uh, traits from him that we don't associate with with a player like Saka. Maybe with a would associate with like a, a Nelson or Fabio Vieira who aren't quite as sharp. But I think he just needed to come off and maybe get some freshness. I I thought personally we should have kept Nelson in moved him over to the right and bought Martinelli in because Nelson looks like he, he was on it. He looked like he was having a good game. He was taking the players on and he was happy to take one-on-one. Um, whereas Saka, maybe not so much. And 
we could try and pinpoint what, what, what it is and left, right and centre. I just think personally, it's that right back. It's that right back role. And it's one that we're, we're missing, missing dearly. Okay. Before we talk about subs and maybe who should have come on for who and who deserved more minutes, let's talk about the goal itself. The almost the decider really um, that put us out of the FA Cup. Um, Adam, who do you put the blame on for this? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's it's almost a, a a pinpoint perfect free kick from Trent Alexandra Arnold. So, um, almost difficult to put the blame on anyone when 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 a ball's being put in the box in that kind of manner. Ultimately, it comes off Kivior's head. Um, Gabrielle's in there as well, kind of diving about. Not sure when. I'm not sure why. Um, Ramsdale comes out jumping like a lunatic as well. Uh, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh, but when I look at that goal, I'm just thinking maybe you could do a little bit better to at least make an effort. I understand that the, the delivery superb, but but make it look like you're you know make it look a little bit less easy than 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 how it looked. I think ultimately the blame has to go to Kivior. It comes off his head, and it's it's one of those like. Trent was phenomenal again today. Like just what a player. Like when Monty says about us not having a natural right back, I think Ben White looked that player last season. I, I, ben White doesn't look comfortable any game. I, I thought he was actually okay today. And his first half was the best I've seen him for a while, but it's been widely reported he's playing through something. I don't think he would be playing, but I, you watch Trent and his deliveries all over the park are just... It doesn't matter if he's got someone like two yards in front of him. He can put it on someone's toe from 60 yards away. So you give him a free kick in that position. And even the free kick itself, in what Monty was saying about Saka playing in a frustrated way, we said about Odegaard being frustrated. That free kick, um, Gravenberch puts it through Odegaard's legs and he loses that free kick because of frustration. Whereas Gravenberch isn't going anywhere there. We've got loads of players back with a stupid free kick to give away. And then the the ball itself, to be honest, as good as Trent is, he just kind of puts it in that area. It's one of those uh, that ultimately I would say it's Kivior's mistake because he heads it back into his own goal. But at the same time, the, the bigger worry for me, rather than blaming an individual, is we did a lot of praising of our set-piece coach and we've obviously scored a lot of goals from set pieces, but how many goals have we considered over the last two or three months from set pieces? It's another instance where it's been a complete mix-up, nobody really looking in complete control of it. And there were other moments today where they could have scored. They hit the bar from, a, was it a corner or a free kick? Earlier in the game, they hit the bar. And um, I think it was Jota hit the bar. And... Um, then the rebound was put wide. Just like the mm. defensively last season, when it came to a set piece, I just never, ever thought we were going to concede from it. This year, it's back to like Wenger's days where I feel like we're going to concede every time we get a corner. And we conceded against West Ham. Um, just the number of really stupid goals we are conceding to. The Fulham game was another corner as well. And obviously today that's a, a free kick coming across goal, edge of the box, like nothing in it. And we're conceding stupid goals from set pieces. So 
for all our frustration at the other end of the pitch, I think at the defensively, we are leaking far too many goals and every one of them is soft. And it was the same with the second goal today. It was just, that was like, that was a case of going for the win and we considered a shit goal as a result. But the the big concern for me is our set piece defending because it, when you look at it, you've got Gabrielle Ramsdale and Kiwi are all kind of flapping at the ball in there. And for me, that, that's a big worry because we weren't doing these things last year. Everyone knew their role. And it seems the mix of zonal and man-to-man right now isn't quite working. And in the way people will claim that teams have figured out our attack and play, actually, have they figured out our defensive set-piece structure? And in the way we've got a someone's really focused on set pieces other teams do this as well mm. Monty do you, do you do you agree I mean I know you're a fan of Ramsdale as a lot mm-hmm. of us are but um, comes out like a raging lunatic mm. Gabrielle just diving about um, Kivior I don't I don't know how much I can blame Kivior I mean ultimately mm. it comes off his head but really unfortunate isn't it the way that we the way that we concede and, and and adam makes a good point doesn't he where when he says that we're we're conceding from um a lot of silly kind of moments the opposition really doesn't need to do that much we're not making them work hard enough mm, no 100 i think when it and, and it's, it's like what adam said with with erdegaard prior to the free kick i think it's just quite silly because uh, if you give and in my opinion the three best set piece takers in the league are Douglas Louise James Ward-Prowse and Trent Alexander-Arnold you can put any of them up there they put in absolute dimes if you give them a sniff at any opportunity they're going to take one they're going to take one and I think what happened in that goal was just was just a lack of communication really it was a lapse of judgement and it, it kind of seemed like everyone wanted to go for the ball but no one really claimed it um, and I think if there was someone who claimed it, like if, if Kivio says I'm going for it and then Gabriel steps back and, and you know, goes on to the near post, it might have been stopped. Um, and Ramsdale comes bolting out. And I remember I was, I was on the other side of the stadium, but I remember watching it and I was like, the near post is dangerous. I, I just, I could see it. I was like, this is going to be a dangerous ball if it goes near post because everyone was so far back. We had the, the two there and Ramsdale was, he was in quite a poor position, I must admit. He maybe should have come shifted in a little bit more into the inside. But I can't really, I can't really berate Ramsdale for the goals because I think they weren't, they weren't really up to him. I think mainly the fact that the free kick happened in the first place from a Martin Erdegaard lapse of judgment is probably where the issue is. And like Adam said, I think defensively from set pieces, I feel the same. Like it, it's a worry. It, it genuinely is a worry because we're so dominant, supposedly, on set pieces, yet we didn't really have anything today. Um, and defensively, it seems like we're getting found out. Um, and people saying, yeah, have they found out our attacking play? I don't think they have really because we're still creating the chances. We're still creating the chances. Like we're still getting in there. We're still having these moments where we can score. We're just not scoring, which is more more of a mental thing rather than them tactically finding. Like I've no issue with Arteta's tactics in terms of the way we're going forward because we're obviously creating the chances. There's just clearly a mental block somewhere that's just not happening. But what what is annoying is on the defensive side of things, there are these short lapses of judgment, and it's it's predominantly on counter attacks. And like you said, far and earlier, long balls. Long balls that go down the wings, and then we create a silly foul because we're we're panicking. There's like a one-on-one situation, and there's two people coming into the box with only two of us, so it's all one-on-one situations. 
and we seem to make this silly error and then gives them a more dangerous free kick in a dangerous situation. And then when you put give Trent a, 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 an opportunity like that, I mean, he he's probably trained in that exact position so many times and he's done, he, it comes down to muscle memory because when you've got an absolute world-class player like Trent Alexander and his delivery, like Adam said, he can, he can pick a spot and he will pin it. He'll pin it straight on it. And it's just, a, uh, just yeah, it's a very, it's a very silly, sloppy goal. And I think it comes boils straight down to the communication side and the lapse of judgment setting it up in the first place. And that can be coached, that can be sorted. So I'm not too worried, but there does need to be, and maybe it is because of the, the shift of goalkeeper, because normally it's a goalkeeper's job to set up the defenders on a set piece. And maybe because we've got Raya and Ramsdale shifting in and they're not quite having the same sort of communication with their players because Ramsdale was a more vocal player rather than Raya. Um, there's, there's, there's these moments where it's not quite going right because Raya would shift them over here more because his positioning is different to Ramsdale. So... It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a silly error. It's just a silly error, all, all in all. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think you're right. You can't really blame Kivior because it's, 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 a very, it's a very dangerous ball. It's a very difficult ball to get to. But Gabriel going for it and Ramsdale flapping his arms, it looks bad. It looks bad. Mm. It looks like a communication breakdown, uh, which caused it. Okay. Well, let's uh, finally um, discuss... The part Monty's been waiting for, um, where we, you know, take off Arteta's head and <laughs> be as critical as we want about the um, the personnel on the pitch. Now, substitutions has ha- hasn't been Arteta's greatest strength. Um, you know, at his relatively short career at Arsenal as a manager, is it fair to say? In any case, Inketia comes on eight minutes before full time. Emil Smith-Rowe and Trossard come on three minutes before full time. Now, I'm very much of the belief that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. At nil-nil, when things are looking relatively okay, I can understand why you might not want to risk the chemistry um, on the pitch, but it wasn't looking great. I mean, for a large part... um, I, I would say maybe 10, 15 minutes before that last 20 minutes of that second half. I don't think it was it was it was great to watch. I think Liverpool were getting stronger, they were getting more confident. Arsenal were just looking more and more frustrated. I would have liked to have seen Inketia maybe come on 15 minutes before the full-time whistle. He doesn't, he ends up coming on eight minutes mm. before the full-time whistle, comes on for Jorginho. Um, and I still don't understand why Emil Smith-Rowe isn't getting more minutes. Um, I think this argument that his minutes are being managed, that he's being slowly eased back into the squad, that argument is wearing thin. Um, Adam, where do you stand on Um, the substitution point of view? (laughs) I would have probably kept and carry on the bench. Wouldn't have made a difference. He had one touch in the time he was on. Um, I do agree with you on Smithrow. Um, I've I've been texting a couple of my mates about that, and it's like <clears throat> bringing him on in the eighty seventh minute and bringing Trossard on at the same time. It's like, what do you want the two of them to do at that point of the game? It's with Smithrow. I I genuinely have no idea what the situation is. The, the only thing, in my opinion, that we can go by 
is Mikel Arteta's actions. Forget what we're hearing from journalists. Forget from what we're hearing from Mikel. If Smith Rowe was fit and Arteta trusted him, he would play him. And when we say Arteta isn't immune to criticism, the two biggest pieces of criticism that I have about Arteta are not using his squad. I think Monty made a good point right at the start of the show about um, Klopp throwing on Bobby Clark and Connor Bradley. The two of them, I, um, I think it was one of them was at Bolton on loan last season, played loads of footballs, come back, got the odd outing for Liverpool. Klopp is very good at throwing young players and seeing if they're any good. And whilst I do kind of agree with the whole, with the likes of Wanari, it's Liverpool, it's under the lights at this point and everything. I've seen young players been thrown into massive games before and absolutely blow up and start their career that way. So I, I do think it's one of those... If you're 1-0 down and you bring on Ethan Wanneri at 80 minutes and it doesn't work, no one's going to question it. No one's going to blame Ethan Wanneri. If you're like being massively overrun and everything, slightly different. But look, I do think give these kids a chance. And the same applies to Smithrow. I think, look, if Smithrow's in the squad, this is a guy that got the 10 shirt, he's on big money. Give him an opportunity. How is he ever going to prove himself in this Arsenal team if he's never getting a run out? So for me, Arteta doesn't trust him. And I think at this point, the best thing for everyone is for us to cash in Smithrow because what is the point in him being in the squad if Arteta doesn't trust him? Because that's an asset there that is stopping us bringing someone else in. And uh, the same applies to some other players in the squad like Mason Nelson. Who, sorry? He's on decent money as well, Smith-Rowe. Yeah. So you take the financial side, and but like Nelson and Smith-Rowe are two players that barely get any minutes. I know Nelson started today, but that's his first... He hasn't started in the Premier League since Liverpool at home in 2020, which, like, you think about that. This is a guy on 100 grand a week. So... I do that. So that's my first criticism is Arteta not using his squad properly. And the second one is it feels like everything has to go right for Arteta for us to win games, in that he needs the players that he needs. He, like, he, kind of our play has to be good. We, our build up has to be almost perfect. We have to do everything really well to score goals. Whereas I look at someone like Jurgen Klopp, for example. And you look at Klopp during that kind of their best years, they, he was throwing Divock Origi into the team. He scored the winner in the Champions League final. Players like that, they, even James Milner playing left back for Liverpool, and Klopp used those players really effectively. I don't know if Arteta would use those players or he would think, no, nah, they're not part of my plans. Because actually, and we've talked about this on this show many a times, that there would come a point where there was injuries and what would happen is the likes of Nelson, Smithrow, Trossard and so on wouldn't have had enough minutes. So whenever they were called upon, they weren't sharp. And that's what we're seeing now. And he doesn't trust them because they're not sharp. But when other players are fit, he doesn't want to throw them in for even 10 minutes. So that is my only criticism of Arteta because performance-wise, I think he's coached another great game there today. And I think it's down to our forwards to take accountability. Yeah, uh, look, Monty, you make mm. a good point when you, um, you know, criticize Arteta for not, as Adam said, for not for not utilizing the squad as efficiently as he could, for not giving players 
Um, minutes, a chance, an opportunity. The Emil Smith row one is a big, big question mark because anytime that he has come on, he's looked good. He's looked bright. Mm -hmm. You can always tell a player whether they're confident or not, whether they're ready or not by their first movements in the game, by their first touches, their first involvements. Emil Smith row is almost always ready to be involved in and amongst it. He's always almost ready to have a shot on goal, almost always ready to put himself out there. And in that three minutes that we saw him, again, he was involved. He was willing to put himself on the front line or in the front line. So mm. what is it about Emil Smith-Rowe that Mikel Arteta doesn't quite fancy? Because if I'm looking at my bench and I'm looking at a player or um, a moment that needs changing, I'm looking at someone like Emil Smith-Rowe to come on and to prove himself, not three minutes to, to full time, but 10, 15 minutes. Give him a good run out, you know? Mm. So what, what's what's happening? Why, why, are we, why are we seeing this? Honestly, um, it, it, it baffles me. And it's it's probably, I kind of uh, agree with Adam as well. I, like my, my criticisms with Arteta is one was the timings of the subs. Like personally, when I saw Jorginho go off, who was probably one of our best midfielders for Ninketia, it, it didn't make sense. I, I would have bought off, say, Kivior, who was having a poor game, especially in that second half, put Ninketia up the front with Havertz, who was getting, who was struggling, who was struggling. And then then you've got that base and you can just widen Declan Rice and Martin Erdegaard so they can cover those those sort of out, out flanks. That that baffled me. Um, and then when we go to the Emerald Smith-Rowe, he in one in one interview he will say like he's come back better than he's ever seen him, but it never plays him. Um, and and coming on in the 88th minute, it's it's just it's just baffling. I mean, Emerson Smith-Rowe, like you said, like he he always wants to get on the ball, so let him get a, a chance to get on the ball properly. Give him 15, 20 minutes to to be dynamic within the game. Like I think Emerson Smith-Rowe for Havertz was the right choice, but it was just too late in the game. It's too late in the game and, and we're now chasing, we're panicking. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I think if it came in earlier, he would have had a lot more of the ball because we it, it wouldn't have been so stressful in the sense of where we were in the game. Um, and it's I, I think it just comes down purely on, on Mikel Arteta down to a lack of experience. You know I mean, you look at Klopp. Klopp brings in youth players all the time. Pep brings in youth players as well like he, he used to bring Cole Palmer he brought in Cole Palmer for the Community Shield as an absolute screamer and then gets sold to Chelsea and then he's gone on to have a great career you need to have those moments because when you've got like an Ethan Wineri who is regarded as one of the best youth prospects going at the moment if you don't give him those moments you're going to have another Sergio Gnabry you're going to have another Amari Hutchinson situation where they're going to go somewhere else yes you played him and you had that one opportunity in the Premier League a, a, a while ago Put him on. Like, in the situation of the game, yes, we were 1-0 down. Like Adam said, if if we're 1-0 down, just put him on because he can have an absolute electric performance because he's going to be so hungry because he's he's young. This is his moment to shine. You you will be you will be surprised. There are some players who have come on, like I remember when Cesc Fabregas came on years ago. Electric. Doesn't age isn't age. I think people focus too much on age. It's about who you are as a player. And I remember when Adam, when you went down to see Ethan at Sunderland in the youth game, he was a level above all of the youth players. He is he is ready. He's probably the most 
ready player in our youth system to make that next step. Would yeah. you not agree? Him and I would say Lewis Skelly. Lewis Skelly is, in my opinion, nearly as good as Wanari. Those two are phenomenal players. And the big thing for me with mm-hmm. Ethan Wanari is kind of, he's got that kind of la pausa where he can just put his foot in the ball. Everything kind of slows for him. The whole pitch speeds up around him. He seems to have mm-hmm. all the time in the world, but also the strength and the kind of stamina, the yeah. work rate. He just seems to really understand the game positionally. And the same applies to Lewis Skelly. These two are phenomenal players. And the worst thing is now, because we're now out of the FA Cup, when does Nguyenary get an opportunity now? Because like you said earlier, like, yes, we had Liverpool in this game. Yes. The next round, we're probably not going to have Liverpool. We're probably going to have like a a West Brom or Gateshead or, you know, another team and a a completely different thing. And that's his opportunity. (laughs) I know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just flying out teams, but... The FA Cup is the the chance. The oppo- it, that is the cup where you give your youth players chances. That is what Arsene Wenger did for many years, and he created gems. Alex Ferguson did the same thing. He put in youth players in the FA Cup, created gems. Jose Mourinho at Chelsea did the same thing. This is the cup, especially in the lower rounds. Put them in. Put you, you just have to put them in. Yes, it is a risk. A complete it's a risk, and Arteta seems to not want to take risks. He wants to be very above board and he's like yes I trust this player well if you don't if you if you're giving that message how how do these youth players feel like they're going to be a part of the squad if you don't give them the opportunity and like Adam said is even when our, our starting players are fit he never benches them so like he and, and it goes against what he used to say because he says we want we want competition across every position and we want to be able to swap players and here and there we'll swap them then because you're not swapping them like I remember last season, we had the least changes in our first 11 uh, and the least amount of, um, I think it was the least amount of substitutions in, throughout the season. It's, it's, it's crazy. It, 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 do you know what I mean? It's crazy. Like you're going against what your, your own saying. So I'm just going off what he said. So if you're going to say you're going to do this, do it. And like, yes, if we lost, if we're one nil down and you bring the one area on or Sousa or Sousa is a good player as well. If you bring them on and yes, they, they don't change the game, but have a good game. One, it gives them confidence that they, they want to stay at the club because these are very bright prospects. And at the end of the day, no one's going to blame Arteta for bringing them on. Do you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it's, it's let the youth, let them play, let them play. That's my, that's my, it's probably my biggest frustration of Arteta. It's just my, it's just my biggest frustration because it's, it's poor game management, especially bring subs on so late. It's, it's just pointless. Like Trossard and Smith Rowe at the 88th minute. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Give them 10 minutes, put them on at the 80th minute, give them 10 minutes plus the four minutes added time or whatnot. But 88th minute, you do that when you want to game manage and you want to slow the game down and kill a game off when you do it so late. Put them on early. Let them, let them have a chance. Yeah. That's okay. my little event. All right, fine. Look, we, we, we're we out of the FA Cup. We know that. Um, our hopes are now pinned on the Premier League and the Champions League. It's a big, big ask. We're in the middle of a January transfer window. We will be doing a special episode dedicated to the window. All things incoming, outgoing, um, seeing as we've got a two-week break. Before we end this episode, though, um, Adam, what do you think the main issue is at the moment? If you had to pinpoint one particular um you know, problem thing that, that, you know, we need to fix urgently. What is that one thing? 
it's finishing. It's uh, very plain and simple. And Monty said it earlier, people haven't figured out our game because you don't create the number of chances we've created if people have figured you out. And it's, I would say, six, eight weeks ago, maybe people had figured us out a bit and we were also struggling to click with each other. But in the last six weeks, eight weeks, we've really started gelling as a team. We're creating those chances and the goals we were scoring last year just aren't going in for us. We're just taking that extra touch in front of goal. We're not shooting with conviction. We're just all those little things. If we can work on our finishing, get the players away, clear heads, come back from Dubai or wherever we're going and be ready to go for when we play Palace, we can bounce back quickly. I think the reality is with football is you need a bit of luck at times. Right now, luck isn't going our way. And it comes down to things like whenever a player takes a touch and a defender misreads it or whatever, when you're not playing well, you need those kind of things to go your way. But the difference is we are actually playing well and we're just not getting those pieces of luck. So I think everything's there up until the final third. We just need to sort that out. And if we can... We're a very good side. As I said at the start of the show, you don't do to Liverpool what we did today if you're not a good side. But at the same time, sometimes you just have to roll up your sleeves and get a job done. And that's what comes next. Mm. Monty, same question for you. If you had to put one... um, Yeah, point out one thing that needs to improve at Arsenal as soon as possible so that we can start winning games of football. Um, you're on mute, by the way. Ah, sorry. Yeah, my mouse just wasn't working. My bad. Um, yeah, I think again, there's a lot. There's a lot going right for us. There's a lot going right for us. We're getting a chance. If if we were say where we were a few years ago, uh, and we weren't creating any chances, and we had players like Abamyang just not getting any supply, um, when you have like that kind of striker, then there's a bit of an issue, and there was a lot of um, locker room issues. I think there is a maybe that creeping back in. Um, because when you had, and, and like, for instance, I said in the, the group chat earlier, I think with Ramsdale and that whole Raya situation, I think that's had a bit more disruption than we give it credit because I think Ramsdale was so revered within the club and, and by the fans. And you can see it today when he came back on, everyone was cheering his name. Um, there seems to be a little bit of frustration and we saw it with um, Gabrielle, uh, Gabrielle and Declan Rice the other day uh, against well, in the West Ham game, or I think maybe was it the Fulham game. There, there, there seems to be a little bit of um, discontent going throughout the squad, um, and I think maybe this break, I think this break will be good for all of the players um, that's coming up. I think the only thing that we need to do really going forward is to have more belief in yourself, because it, it seems like they, they're especially when our like world class wingers aren't really tackling them like players one-on-one and really going down a byline that's a bit of an issue uh, I think potentially the only thing is maybe we need a talisman I think maybe a talisman coming in will potentially change the team and it'll give us a focal point so I think potentially we need to go and get someone who can lift up the squad because I think especially with Party not being there I think Party has been massive missing him um, because Party, when he's on his day I think he's one of the best defensive midfielders in just the world when he's on his days he's just phenomenal uh, and that would allow Rice to go forward so there's just a few things that aren't clicking uh, I don't think we can do a revolutionary change I don't think we need a revolutionary change um, 
I just think it's maybe we just we just need to be working for each other a, a bit more. Like there there seems to be a just disconnect in particular clicks, and um, I think this 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 break will be good for us and potentially just go into January, get a talisman, get a focal point that we can believe in. And that will lift up, that will lift everyone. But yes, you could say like a striker, but even like, say, if we got like a very good, talented wing back, like a, not like a Trent Alexander, because there's not many of them like that, but someone who is dynamic and can put in balls like that. Do you know what I mean? Who, who creates chances. It gives, it gives strikers confidence that they are going to receive the ball because we saw a lot today. And Ketty was making runs when he came on. I saw Smith Rowe make several runs. I saw Havertz make runs. And they didn't get spotted a, a lot of the time. They didn't get spotted. Maybe one or two got did. Uh, I saw Erdegaard make one to Kai Havertz and he sort of overhit it and it was very hard for him to bring it down. That, that I don't... I, I, I Honestly, I couldn't have an answer because I don't think there is a major issue. I, I, I just don't think it's there. I think it's very small things. Maybe a, a, a little bit of a team gathering, maybe just get the guys together, have a big team dinner. Do you know what I mean? And and just really get to back each other again, because it seems like from last year to this year, there is definitely a difference in the way that the squad are. Because last year, every goal was celebrated like it was like a, a an FA Cup goal. There was, there was real camaraderie that someone's done that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas this year there hasn't quite been the same. It's just very much like, yeah, scored a goal. Let's, let's all just get around me. And, but last year it was like, every goal was like, yes, come on. Like, well done, mate. Like, blah, 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 pat on the head. Like, yeah, da, 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 da. It seems like it's not quite clicking at the moment. Um, and maybe it just needs a, a little bit of a rest. I think this winter break and we'll come into Crystal Palace and hopefully um, we'll see the big changes. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to put you guys out of your misery because we are going to end the episode now. Um, so I want to say, first and foremost, a massive thank you to everyone who's listened up until this point. Thank you very, very much. Um, I, I, I almost feel a bit cheap by asking you guys to give this episode a five-star review since we've you know lost, but please do. It does help. Um, let us know what you thought of the show. I understand that sometimes it can be a bit of a painful listen when we've uh, uh, lost the game of football. But hopefully we're providing you the therapy, which is uh, very much needed. Look, the whole intention of this podcast is to give you guys the good with the ugly. And, you know, funnily enough, our 200th episode will be after the Burnley game. And the birth of this podcast came after a resounding defeat to Burnley um, when I think it was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who scored an own goal or got a red card or something. So look, um, we're, we're looking forward to that. Hopefully we, we will have a, a good two-week break. Like I said, in between that, we will be giving you your usual weekly dose of Arsenal therapy. We'll be talking about transfers. We'll be bringing on some very special guests. So make sure you tune in for that. But if you can't wait until then, make sure to head over to the Arsenal Therapy YouTube channel for the 15-minute show and the 15-minute show, because there won't be any preview show. Um, so until then, take care of yourselves, have a lovely break, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>